0: This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies,
1: aspirations, methods, and mistakes
0: behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hi out there. It is I, the creative agency whisperer, Chris Bolton. I have another exciting episode for you today with Sarah Schulweis of Anchor & Orbit. Sarah is a consultant that helps businesses grow by looking at their finances and processes, marketing, everything really, and creating action plans and programs for these businesses to apply. One of the interesting things about this interview is that I started out by referring to Sarah as a freelancer and eventually realized that that title doesn't quite do her business justice. Just because you're a solopreneur doesn't mean you're a freelancer. It's an important distinction, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, if you like the show, I'd love to see a review on iTunes. I'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. So follow me at Creative Agency. that's creative and then A-G-N-C-Y. Again, if you have an agency horror story that you would like to be featured on our Halloween episode in October, hit me up at chris at creativeagencypodcast.com. All right, well, let's get to our interview. All right, well, I have Sarah Schulweiss of Anchor in Orbit on the line, um, calling in from Oakland, California. Welcome, Sarah, to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Of
0: course, of course. So you were recently featured on a website called Freelance Wisdom. It's a really great interview and part of what inspired me to have you on the show. Um, I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. Everyone should check it out.
1: Um, Yeah, that site is really cool. It just launched a few months ago, actually, and a friend of mine runs it. And she had me on not just as a freelancer, but as a freelance advisor. So she's been doing a really good job of gathering and coordinating her community and using her leverage and starting to, um, put resources out there sort of like what you guys are doing. So.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I actually have not had a freelancer on the show yet. So, um, I'm excited to hear, um, the freelance perspective from you.
1: Well, hopefully I'll do them proud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're going to talk about your freelance business, about your plans for growth, and some advice from you for other creatives who want to start their own freelance business.
1: Yeah, well, um, I really wanted to make sure that I'm not just parroting back every t- everything that I've heard from your show. <laughs> I keep recommending it out to all of my independent businesses, friends and colleagues, and <laughs> pretty much everyone that will talk to me about it. Well, thank so you. <laughs> hopefully you're like, well, someone else said that on the show. So that's, <laughs> you got that from me. So <laughs> no, well,
0: I, I really appreciate that. And uh, if uh, the advice works, you know, that means the show's a success. So yeah. Um, I recently checked out, you've got a new website and you actually have already received some recognition for it, which is awesome. How did that come about?
1: Um, You know, the website was a long time coming. Um, I'll get into this probably a little bit later, but I do feel like this website was, is the end of the beginning of my career um, as it stands. I had, I was so busy. I didn't really need, the site yet. So, um this was my opportunity to organize my brain and organize who I wanted to be working with and how I wanted to be representing myself. Mm-hmm. But um it was also a really fun exercise because I worked with a close friend and frequent collaborator, Chelsea Dyer on the site. And I let her run with it. So I wrote all the copy and she did all the design. I mean, it helps that she knows me. Like we really actually work together every day, um, sit next to each other at coffee shops and lean on each other for support. She, she had the, the upper hand of really understanding who I am and how I want to represent myself, mm-hmm. but she has this depth of, you know, of design. She, really believes in the printed word. And that always translates to her graphic design. So I feel pretty fortunate that I have a friend and that kind of collaborator.
0: That's nice. I mean, going through that process, and we've gone through it a couple of times at Murmur Creative of, you know, redoing our website, it really does sort of, it's not just the process of creating a marketing tool. It's also sort of, you have to look through all of your your sort of business ideas and Mm -hmm. your services and you've got a great copy and you sort of end up at the end of the process sort of having a clearer idea of what your business is which is kind of a nice result
1: yeah you have to stand between what you've done and what you can do and also try and represent yourself to a new batch of clients you know sort of dream clients dream situations that can be nerve-wracking too Because all of a sudden you're on a podcast and you're like, oh, right, that's right. I have to to talk about all the things I want to do. Okay, cool. Let's do this.
0: In in the Freelance Wisdom article, um, you say that you've basically been a freelancer all your life. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Sure. I guess what I meant was that I've always, in one way, shape, or form, had to track my own time and ask for a rate that I felt like I deserved and track my own money and payments. And that's started when I was very young as a babysitter. (laughs) Um, And I've been, you know, I've had salary jobs. I've been a barista. I've had the work that's gotten me through, you know, college all the way through now. But I've always had something going on in the background where I had to advocate for myself. And that has been a lifelong training tool. So once I completed, you know, my undergraduate work and I was working at a salary job. Um, I was writing business plans on the side and taking clients and the random work as I needed to. Yeah, but really, on that marketing team was where I learned how to manage that working world, the salaried world, and how what it meant to be sitting at a desk all day. And I almost had to shift to a different frame of mind in that way because I didn't have to track time necessarily. It was really more about what I was producing for them. And then once they laid me off, I knew it was a shove into this freedom of opportunity to figure out what I wanted to do and move into the career direction that would really fuel my creativity.
0: I know that's a big leap to make. I know I'm sure that there's a lot of creatives out there that think about that all the time. Could I do this on my own, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a different set of skills, a different set of muscles, you know, to be able to run your own business and do the creative work. It's Totally. um, um, So let's talk a little bit about how um, Anchor and Orbit began.
1: I always say this, my 16-year-old self is shocked. But she's also pretty proud of what I do. But had you told me that I was going to be Talking to people about their finances, I would have called you a crazy person. <laughs> so, um, but you know, my when I talk to long term childhood friends now about how my career has developed, there, no one is surprised except for me. It's kind of comforting to see that people have seen my creative work and my big picture thinking for a really long time. I I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to school. And once I went back, um, I knew I wanted to study small businesses and entrepreneurship. I think that was part of, you know, being that freelancer forever feeling. Um, Even when I was working jobs, I quickly got put into management and what I call sort of the innovation and solutions positions, and it just turned out that San Francisco State had a great entrepreneurship program that pushed me to start researching what I wanted to do or how I wanted to develop a business. And so the program was hoping that we would uh, launch our businesses upon graduation, but I was a little nervous, too, because I the every single business plan I wrote was, you know, product business or storefront. But what I really liked about working in that program was working with my peers. And I actually went back to my final project, and I had forgotten about this, but I wrote a plan for this business. I actually bought the URL, anchorinorbit.com, when I was in school. So oh, wow. I had an idea. I think once once I graduated, then I, I got thrown into this PR and marketing world because you know I have to pay rent and I was pretty young. And so, but what ended up happening was it filled in all of these gaps in sort of the weaknesses of the entrepreneurship program. I, I don't think that marketing and PR can actually be taught. I think there are theories, but until you start implementing it, you don't know what you're talking about. So that job filled in all of these gaps for me. And I was laid off from my PR job, which I'm really grateful for. And then I was able to take on some freelance work. It just so happened to be photography production. And then that filled in the last missing link there. So I had seen and studied and understood all parts of businesses. So I had planning, I had market research, I had branding, I had photography, I had promotion. The next step was production and operations, which I knew a bit about because of the jobs I was taking. But until then, that was just like, that last little moment. And then I met my first client at a party. <laughs> she she was a, she's a ceramic artist and was looking for a studio assistant and I was still pretty fresh uh, off of being laid off and looking for work but exploring other options. I didn't I didn't like the idea of going back into an office. So once we started talking about what she needed, I realized that there was a huge part of her business that needed streamlining and updating, and she let me run with PR and branding and systems and wholesale and retail sales, and I know that I provided a lot of value for her um, and grew her business, but I am so grateful for the risk that she took in me. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, her business thrived because of our work, but she... She let me take those theories and turn them into reality.
0: It it is kind of amazing how one client can really, I mean, especially in this business, can really launch your career. When my brother, the owner of Murmur Creative, started out, he he actually had his first client before he even finished design school, mm-hmm. and they gave him enough work to basically start his business. You know, it's you know you hear about startups getting you know seed funding and this sort of stuff but a lot of times all you need is just enough to get by so that you can have totally. some extra time to to build your business
1: totally i still feel like that every time a client signs on i'm like oh okay cool this is great like i've built this little base for myself but every time someone comes on i'm like great i get to do this for a little bit longer <laughs> i can't wait to make them happy and then Continue what I'm doing.
0: So, how, how do you usually find your clients besides at parties?
1: Yeah, I know. Actually, that works. Networking's really important. Um, it's really important. Uh, but that first client spoke really highly of me, um, and my friends started to understand what I was doing because it was pretty much all I could talk about. And um, referrals started rolling in. You know, at first, my clients were all makers and. I had a woodworker, an illustrator, and the ceramic artist. And I thought maybe one of those would click and I would start to be full time with them. But I realized I was teaching them more than I was doing the work and kind of worked myself out of that business. Mm -hmm. So, So what ended up happening is I kept taking on more clients and all of a sudden they're calling me a consultant. So I work with a lot of different kinds of people. Now I have a Beverage distribution company. I have photographers. I have designers. I mean, the list just sort of continues, and they're all in different phases now. Um, so my job can be really interesting in that I work with people who do similar work, and they have the same questions that I'm doing uh, that I have about my business and myself. And you know, I think some people would say, like, oh, like, why don't why don't you have an MBA? And so I think that the, my experience speaks really loudly, and their their businesses are growing, and I understand what they want. So if they, if we're working together, <laughs> I can say, like, okay, like, what do you want from your life? And turns out that <laughs> what they want is to grow their businesses, and and then they're happy with me, which goes back to your question, which is referrals. That's how I find my clients (laughs) at this point. Um, but now, you know, I, now I have this beautiful website and I'm getting recognition for it. And every time I talk to people and talk about what I'm doing, more people are going to come my way. So I'm looking forward to that next phase for sure.
0: That's great. Um, so how many clients do you manage at a time?
1: (laughs) Um I have 20 clients right now. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of people there um and I have different levels of involvement with everyone. I have a one-on-one program, I have projects, I have long term clients who I just check in with, some retainer clients, and I have, you know, five to an average of five to ten hours with, with each of those clients per month. And but right now I'm really heavy into my one on one clients. I have a few a few really good projects, but the bigger projects, I end up hiring out a lot um, for those. It can't be everything, so it's been interesting to to expand that part of my business.
0: What, what things do you sort of end up outsourcing?
1: Mm, a lot of accounting. Um, I, I have a very good understanding of a healthy business and what's going in and out and what people can grow to become. But it is such a relief to hire accountants and bookkeepers and have these experts who, I mean, it's, you know, accounting's hard. <laughs> and yeah. But what they can do is they pull these numbers and they can talk about, you know, what's happening and I can talk about what could be I can, I can take these numbers and say, okay, well, if we put more money here, that means this is going to grow or that means, you know, so like a client yesterday, we were talking about how important it is for them to start hiring a social media team because the only way for them to reach more clients to increase their product sales is to have a social media team. And for a moment, they thought it was going to be more products, but in reality, it's really just getting the word out. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so how would you describe most of the work that you're doing? I mean you said it's is it mostly consulting? Are you are you m- mostly face to face with people or are you doing Yeah. A-
1: yeah, I do a lot of face to face. I have some people I work with over the phone. A lot of the work that I do and as I'm transitioning into the next phase of my business, a lot of work that I do is discovery. Um, so it is consulting. It's like, what's happening? Where do you want to go? What does this mean? Those are the the questions that happen over and over again. It's like, what's happening? Where do you want to (laughs) go? What does it mean? Um, so that's, that is, I mean, I, what, if this business grows the way that I want it to grow, I will be that touch person at the top. And there will be people who will be implementing all of the pieces of, that growth strategy, design, accounting, I mean, and copywriting, any of it. But sometimes people are, you know, I, my work with small businesses, they're running their own show. So I, they, and they want to continue to do that until I convince them otherwise. And sometimes that's, you know, a team for them isn't even the right option. So we, I help them see what's, what the best next step for them is.
0: Um, Um, what are the deliverables is like business, business plans or strategy documents or.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of, you know, I start with a really hefty onboarding form. Um, I actually do discovery for about 15 hours at least. Like I haven't found that any project with a one-on-one client or even project clients, none of those projects can be less than 30 hours. So the first half of those hours are really discovery, um, which include time, that I am spending on strategy documents and spreadsheets, a lot of spreadsheets. I get made fun of a lot for my spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, another Google Doc, Sarah. Good job. Really? Let's yeah, of course." But sometimes it's like it's timelines. There's a lot of. I guess that's like a mini business plan. So a timeline for completing goals. And a, you know, if I'm working with these people, these one-on-one clients who are mostly sole proprietors, they they just need someone to hold them accountable. So they kind of need a boss. It's very tiring running your own business. So sometimes someone not just advocating, but holding you accountable for the work that you need to get done in order to achieve goals is really valuable.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. Um, what, what does an average project cost?
1: Um, So like I was saying, I request 30 hours with my one-on-one clients. So that can be anywhere from $2,500 to $4,000, depending on the stage of the business. I really like my clients to be making at least, I'd say, at least $120,000 a year. I'm a big investment for them. And once we start talking about breakdowns of rates, that's gonna make a little bit more sense, but they they need to have a fairly healthy business for me to feel super comfortable, which means I don't really take on new businesses. I have a few people I'm helping launch businesses, but they have proven models and they've done this before and they're figuring out the best way. And you know, sometimes the best way and the fastest way. I'm I help get around some of those speed bumps that might slow them down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know we sometimes get nervous around new businesses, too. It's when you involve a creative, sometimes the business owner puts too much pressure on you for executing their half-assed plan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally. Well, and there's so much fear in starting a new business, too. Like, how? and, you know, if you can imagine, they're just doing design you know, they were like, okay, I want this to be designed like this. And I want the business cards to be like this. And then they don't have a model that can prove that they can move forward. It's almost unethical to work with them. So I'm not going to take your money when nothing's going to happen. And sometimes, sometimes that's okay. I think that there's a part of, a part of this where if you can figure out what's going to go wrong or that they really don't want what they think they want, I think that's a really good investment too. But I'm very careful about it. I mean, just as a small business owner, like I, I want to and can't wait to work with someone like me, but I'm going to make sure I have that money set aside and it's not going to affect my life or my cash flow. And it's going to be the next big investment.
0: So you said that, um, so these sort of initial discovery projects, they're like between 2,500 and 4,000. And then is that sort of based on like an hourly rate?
1: Yeah, it it ends up being an hourly rate. I think that's the easiest way people can wrap their mind around what I do because it's sort of this knowledge worker realm. Yeah, I think that's the, the way people can wrap their mind around it. And for me too, I, I've figured out a rate that and a uh, cost for that kind of project that helps me set aside enough time for them. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's like averaging about $125 to $200 an hour, right? Mm -hmm. And the rate's kind of a hard thing to talk with clients, but they do understand hours. So I have to include a number of elements in my, you know, about my livelihood within my rate. For the one-on-one work, I think I can. I know how much I can produce per week, which means that if I can only ethically meet with clients about 20 hours a week, because like you know, I'm a human, kind of an introvert, and (laughs) if I'm not there fully there for them, then they're, I can't let them pay me. So I have to charge a rate that I know will make it worth maxing out all of my potential, potential productive time. So if, for one-on-ones, if I'm limited to my greatest resource, which is myself, uh, my rate has to reflect both the value that I'm giving them and also my limits of productivity.
0: Yeah, it's. A, I mean, pricing is so hard. And it's so hard, so hard for clients to understand that like an hour of billable work is not an hour. Is not an hour. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like
1: or you know, if you're lucky, if it's forty-five minutes, but then there's that buffer time. It can work in the other direction, but it's usually, it's usually more.
0: Yeah. I, you know, we've been sort of having this conversation, how we do a minimum hour billing, but you know, when someone only does an hour with us, like we also spend an hour managing them mm-hmm. through emails, through chats, through getting, you know, their opinion on the work that we did. It's almost just not profitable for us to bill for an hour.
1: Oh, you know? totally. Oh, to- well, And that's why I talk about that 30 hours because, so, if I know I need twelve clients per quarter on a one one to one, then and 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 I know I need that to get by, and that's just how that's, and that turns into my rate. If I've maxed out on those number of clients in terms of just being available to them or having enough brain space to make sure I'm advocating correctly for them, then, then that's it. That's, that's all I can do. And then they have to pay for that if they want me. Yeah. So I, you know, and sometimes when I talk about rates with my clients, this is usually with like designers and not really photographers, but let's, let's talk about like designers specifically. So if you have your hourly rate, um, scary, but Interesting way to look at this is like a 40 60 breakdown. So 40% can go to the designer, 60% goes back into the business. And this is actually how I think about mine too. Um, So the breakdown has this this tendency to give some people a heart attack. Um, But the 60% is really meant to break down even more. So you've got your taxes, you have money for contractors, you have savings for yourself and for the business. So I say this, I'm not, this is not tax advice, but it's a good way to look at yourself as an investment. So then, that, then you talk about the hourly rate again. You're like, okay, so if I'm only getting 40%, how many hours do I need to work in order to survive? <laughs> and this is not a perfect science. I think that I've worked with people who, who need to pay themselves more. And that means they're working fewer hours, but there's also not a lot of room for savings in the business. And maybe they're saving on their personal side, but it can be – there is a way to look at those numbers as an investment in the business and an investment in yourself.
0: Do you keep sort of a cushion in the bank that's your business
1: money, so that if oh I try yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh I try you know it it I do feel like I'm in my last year of being a startup that first year with those first clients I mean like seventeen dollars an hour like stop Uh, you know like but I was so I they they really invested they for them they could that's what they could afford. And then, you know, as my value increased, I can increase my rate. So I feel like I'm still recovering from those first two years. This year is really, truly the first year of this model. And now with this website, it's really the first. I can say like now I'm in maybe sort of like my fourth year as that website launched. Mm Yeah, so it a cushion's good and then all of a sudden you launch a website and you have to spend an extra couple thousand dollars and okay, right. well, that's what that's for. All right, let's keep moving. So
0: Yeah, I know. We we usually have a cushion in the bank at murmur and you know, I mean the the crazy thing is this murmur it's like our our overhead is like $65,000 a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. So right. if we have less than that in the bank, we could start getting a little nervous in case, right. you know, if something totally. were to happen.
1: Like. Totally. Well, you have your responsibility to your employees. Like that's your, that's your value. That's why you turned into an agency because you want to produce more work right i'm assuming mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you also believe in investing in other people's lives the way that they're investing in you yep so i mean yeah of course you get nervous <laughs> i would too <laughs> i do too
0: yeah it's funny i mean we've we've grown quickly enough that even just Wrapping our heads around the the numbers sometimes is a little bit uh, nerve wracking. <laughs> That's painful.
1: I know, but it is. It is. I think if you can think of it more even as a quarterly thing, if you like look at that amount of money you need in the bank and try and build up a full quarter, there's going to be a lot of room for creativity there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pushing past that a little bit and and. and I think I like I said. I think on a month-to-month basis, it's unfair for small businesses. You have to think about it in quarters because there will be a slow month. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. It, and 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 what do you do during that slow month? You try and win more work, right? So yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah. So do you feel like you'd prefer you'd prefer being a freelancer? That this is the end all for you, or that you would <laughs> like to grow um, to a multi-person team?
1: Um, you know, I I think. I think a freelancer is still kind of a dirty word. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same as like consultant. Like there's some sort of like scheme, right? Or like trying to get around something. But I so like I'll position myself as a small business already. Right. But uh, I'd love to have another consultant working side by side with me. Um, I think there's value in maybe a designer coming on full-time with me or maybe another accountant, and I'm working on all of that, but it would be really nice to have a partner in crime Thinking the same way that I think, mm-hmm. um, so I, I I feel like I'm an expert in connection and discovery and innovation and brainstorming and problem solving, like all all of those things. And I could see myself being, if not having a co-consultant, being the lead and working, always working with my clients and through discovery and vision planning and. Then having a staff that could implement the visions faster. So if they're, you know, in some of those conversations, they can say, great, we like, we know what's going on. We can move forward. And I've even done that with, you know, Chelsea, the designer, because I figure out what this client needs and she can go, great, all right, I get it. And now I can like run with like design, not just like worrying about where they're positioning themselves. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's still about working directly with with people, but there is also a part of me that would prefer to foster my team's creativity also. I'd like to be able to help people develop their careers and have long-term partnerships with with people like that. Cool.
0: I like what you said about sort of freelancer being a dirty word and sort of, (laughs) you know, thinking of yourself as a business, because I think that there is really, there are two really different sort of ways of thinking about yourself and your business. And I, you know, I've done freelance work myself, and I never really considered myself a business. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that, that it probably a lot of positive things goes out of starting to think of yourself as a business. It doesn't Mm -hmm. take necessarily an extra person on your team to become a business. It just takes cohesive brand, really. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Totally, totally. And that's, that is the the pleasure of having done all of the work on this website for myself. And now I can, now I can say that I'm a brand and there's this thing that I, that's bigger than myself, truly bigger than myself. Yeah. But it, I think looking at yourself as a small business is a important strategy because then you do put money aside. Then you start investing in the business a little bit and consider yourself a separate identity also so you've got brand business brand and personal brand
0: you know it's funny um we're working with a a therapist who we're doing his website and branding and Mm -hmm. uh we're working with him on the copy and he kept on using first person to talk about his business you know i do this and i do that and i kept on Mm -hmm. changing it to we (laughs) and he was and he was kind of confused by that i was like well We implies a business, whereas I kind of has that feeling of singularity of just like the person is the brand. We eventually pushed him into using we and he's talking about hiring people. I think he may have already hired someone. It just in the long run, it makes sense to sort of present yourself in that sort of royal we when you're talking about your brand um, because it is larger than yourself.
1: Totally. And some of my, my sort of co-mentors get nervous about how much I used we on my website because they're like, but it's you. People love you. That's why they want to work with you. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. But like, we're thinking bigger here. I'm hoping that more projects will come my way and I'll still be able to connect with my clients one-on-one. But the, yeah, I mean, I'll always be the stronghold for sure.
0: So do you feel that you can create or you have created the the lifestyle that you want as a freelancer?
1: I have a little ways to go. I, when I talk about lifestyle with my clients, we talk about planning for the future. I think it's easy, fairly easy to pay for this and next month's rent. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a number of jobs that happen By even just being a freelancer, you have to do, you know, outreach and winning work and doing the work and then maintaining clients. So that lifestyle is much harder than, you know, that sort of scheme that we were talking about. It really, if you're running a business, you're constantly looking for work. I I think I want to expand and will need to expand, um, I was kind of saying this earlier, but, you know, every year I, I think about, you know, I have a serious conversation with myself and spreadsheets and looking for my own business consultant and, uh, you know, figuring out how to grow and shift. And I think I've decided to stick with this for the next year and I've invested enough time and now publicity, apparently, no. <laughs> um, that this is, you know, this is what I'm doing for right now. I was a little naive um, when I started this and hopefully just continue to be a little naive because I think that that brings excitement and innovation. But I didn't realize, like, I I knew that there were creative agencies and I knew there were people doing what I do and accountants and designers and project managers. And, you know, I, I didn't know really actually until I started listening to this podcast how, how, quickly and how hard it is to grow a business like this. So I think last month was really the beginning of making myself known and it's intimidating and exciting and really validating that people are responding to what I do and I'm just going to have to see what feels comfortable for me. If if managing a team is not as fun, like why? This is so hard. It's so hard to run a business. Why would I do something that doesn't make me happy? Right. Um, so if it's still just going to be one-on-one clients, I have to, I have to figure out how to reach those people and keep them, keep them with me for as long as possible.
0: Well, in a way, a good way to hire is to hire people to do do the things you don't like doing.
1: (laughs) Totally. Totally. I wrote that in, in the freelance wisdom article. I was like, well, I, I hired a housekeeper. Yeah and you know there is that there's something to like hi- doing the th- hiring out the things that you don't like doing but what if the things that you don't like doing are the important parts of your business and that's still what you should be doing right. i have this conversation a lot especially with designers they're like i want a junior designer and i'm like do you like is that where your your values are right now me or they say actually a lot of people really want assistance and i'm like well if they're he, he managing all of you know your inquiries and then you stop winning work we have to be really careful about that what's what are you giving to people as as the person that's running this business that this person might not be able to give
0: yeah i know with our last hire we sort of like we had kind of an idea of how this person might fit into the business but it definitely radically changed as soon as we actually had someone here it worked well But like it is some of these things you just can't plan for. You just have to take a risk and be like, you know, like, I think I need someone to do this. And then you actually get into the work and you realize where the business is headed and you see and the needs change on a weekly basis. And you're like, oh. Let's do it this way.
1: Mm-hmm, totally. Totally. Well, and that's the hard conversation, especially lately now that I know a little bit more about my work. That's the hard conversation with new clients cuz they're like, "What am I going to get?" And I was like, "You don't know what you want." So, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get here and I you have to I have beautiful testimonials and people who are willing to talk to you about the work I do, but I don't know yet. I have an idea, but I don't know and that's going to be the same way with these. this transition for my business. I don't know what I'm going to get. What is it going to turn into? Is it going to dilute the work that I do or is it going to enhance it? I'm not sure yet.
0: Well, it's an exciting place to be, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it
1: is. It is. If I can look at it as at its excitement all the time and how fortunate I feel to be doing what I do, um, it's, it is. It's, it's awesome. I feel great about it.
0: So, How would you describe um, sort of the difference between being a freelancer and sort of being in being an agency or sorry, I I won't use the dirty word. Um, (laughs) Being a sole
1: proprietor. You could call a freelance. That's fine.
0: Sole proprietor, right? (laughs) Yeah. A sole proprietor and uh, an agency setting. I mean, or owning an agency. I feel like there's, you know, you got to wear more hats than just about anybody.
1: I think about it as management. So freelancers don't, okay, the dirty word, freelancers don't need to manage much outside of their client. So we're talking about just someone who's like, I do a job, I finish, they somehow have a marketing funnel, they somehow have work, sort of like thinking of like the developer types, right? So they don't need to manage much outside of clients and maybe not even that, right? Okay so then there's agencies the agencies are about growth and efficiency and teams and they ha- they run into all kinds of operational issues on daily and that freelancers don't have to deal with necessarily but i think that offices and systems are have been created for a reason and office life is changing and smaller agencies are important to the you know to the bigger ones and people want to work directly with their creative partners and Feel in control of their destiny. So I'm actually just thinking about you guys specifically, but um, small businesses will always be the best advocate for other small businesses. So you know that I do sort of roundabout way of like you have to manage a team. That's an agency, and and it's it's not just managing the clients. It's managing everything around it. So in some ways, I'm, you know, I am a small business, but all of a sudden I am already an agency. I'm already managing contractors and I'm already managing the growth of my business. So the freelancers, you know, if we can bucket them into the category of growing quickly and gaining a lot of experience, but their goal is to be, you know, somewhere else, eventually, then great. That's perfect for them.
0: Right. And there's a kind of sense of a a freelancer being someone who is kind of plugged into something, whereas, you know, plugged into a project or something to serve sort of a certain purpose. I know that, you know, when we have hired freelancers, they sort of, we sort of plug them into our team. Whereas a company that sort of has its own brand, you sort of expect them to sort of tell you, how they work and what the you know what what their systems are and stuff and i'm sure that you know there's lots of variance between the two but um at least that's how i'm sort of envisioning it right now um so there these two axes of growth that we've talked about a lot here on uh, at murmur creative and on some of the um other podcast episodes is that you know you can sort of grow your business through price and you can go through size like just adding employees what, what are your thoughts on sort of um, making that that balance for, for your career? Um, I think
1: if you grow in price, you end up needing to really understand who you are, who you want to work with, and what you're going to give your people. I think if you grow in size, we're talking about like manpower, right? So you're, that means you can expand your expertise and offering, but that may come with projects that come through to you, but might not have much to do with you, the proprietor, but your company will be bringing more value to more people. So that's a choice between the vision, your vision for a lifestyle. I I think people who have salaries and jobs can care just as much about their livelihood and the work that they're doing than someone who is running their own business. In fact, um, I'm looking forward to starting some work soon with a new client who has like a job job and helping her find innovation and success within the framework of her salary. I don't know if I'm really answering, you know, the access for growth really is about how you see what you do. You can grow as a freelancer if you really understand what you're doing, a freelancer, a small business owner, if you really understand what you're doing um, and who you want to work with. And then you can increase your price because hopefully you're becoming more efficient and better than everyone else. Um,
0: yeah. Right. And I suppose there, you know, with pricing also, there's demand, you know, if you have, you know, the first thing that happens when you have more demand than you, than you do actual, um, capabilities is you go, okay, do I hire or do I raise right. the price? Right. Right. Do so do in both? my
1: <laughs> way, I was like, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to raise my price because I can't, I don't know anyone else that's doing what I'm doing or is willing to, Essentially, take a risk with every single client, um, so I had to raise my price.
0: I guess the the sort of third factor is the the offerings, mm-hmm. your services. Um, have you um, have you always been pretty focused in what your services are? <sighs>
1: That's a good question. I feel like my services have always started with an understanding of people's finances, and then we move on to what's happening in the marketing land. And then we move on to operations and then logistics. Um, So I think that was always my focus. I think the only way, if you're really working with businesses that want to grow, you have to look at their finances. So that's a focus. And I think I just get better and better at that and figure out who to hire, who can get through those finance uh, analysis Faster than I can.
0: With a uh, with a lot of small businesses, they need so much that they'll ask you for everything. How do you sort of ha- handle that when it's something that's you, you know they do?
1: ask for everything because <laughs> they actually don't know what exactly they want yet. <laughs> that's been my experience. I think it's a little bit different for a design agency and a creative agency like you guys. You know, they're asking for what they think is right. Like they need the social media platforms. They need design for this. And then now they want content. And now they want photography. And now they want all these things, which I think you all can provide. But for me, they come to me and they say, I don't know what I want. And I'm not sure what to do next. And that's where that's my expertise. So if they come to me and they're like, I need a website. And I'm like, okay, well, we can we can figure out what your website's going to look like and how you're representing yourself. And I can do that, but I'm not a designer. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, really, I'm, I'm not a designer. <laughs> like, I know that sounds. And then you, in some ways, I'm this like education source and this funnel. I'm hoping I'm creating really good clients for my contractors and people I'm just sending, you know, these clients to because they understand what they're going to do.
0: Um, so you mentioned that you track everything, you track all your time. Um, how do, how do you do that? How do you record your time and hours and stuff like that?
1: Um, I use toggle to record my actual time. Press the start button, you assign a, you assign a, a project and you go for it. Um I do also heavily lean on my Google Calendar. I figure out how many hours I've promised a client mm-hmm. and where they're going to fit into my week. Um, there's no other way to do it. And, you know, I'm a human, so sometimes it shifts and sometimes I get distracted and that can really throw things off when I'm really busy, but it helps to really just press the start button.
0: (laughs) So, um, so you say you use Google calendar, um, use Google docs, spreadsheets Mm -hmm. and toggle. Are there any other tools? that you use?
1: Yeah, I, um, I use Workflowy. Um, it's this like kind of in-depth outlining system. Have you seen it? No. Oh, it's awesome. Um, I discovered it because someone posted the article, the, I think it was the, the founder of Workflowy, um, put up, but it was basically using this outlining tool to manage his anxiety. It's a brilliant article. Um, and you get you start to understand what's happening. So for me, I have each of my clients in this outline system and I can actually tap back into my like train of thought. Basically, so I've got their name, I've got their whole, you know, every piece of their project that we're working on, and then I can open it up, and it just continues this sort of dive into what my thought process was, and I can hop right back into productivity for them. Wow, it's really really cool. Um, and then, but I was only using that for a while, and I was trying to use their hashtag system to create to dos. But I love Todoist. I think it's beautiful. So when i'm taking notes in a meeting or if i'm working on just sort of strategy and figuring out a process for a client i i end up hashtagging like a like to do or something like that and then i go back and i actually create actionable items in todoist with you know time stamps on them and how long i think it's going to take me and and then i input that into my calendar so Um, It sounds like a lot of work and it's worth it. I I think that there's something to learning a a client for me that makes me valuable. Mm -hmm. So if I really understand them, and maybe that's freelancers and small business owners in general, where we really, we want to learn all the time. I think that might be part of wanting to jump in and out of projects. We want to learn all the time. And the workflow to Todoist, to Google Calendar helps me learn who these people are and what I'm going to do for them and be an advocate.
0: Well, if that's one thing that I've learned in doing these podcasts is that there's a, everyone has a different system, you know, and if the system mm-hmm. works and it's a good system.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. I, and I, I, I think at first as, a, as I was starting this, I was trying to convert my clients to certain systems like Basecamp or Asana or whatever I was into at the moment and it's so wrong. Everyone everyone does something different and people learn differently. Sort of back to this idea. It's like it's about learning every day. So if someone knows how they learn and it's on a piece of paper, then great. Let's keep their paper lists, but let's make sure that they're still getting their stuff done.
0: Exactly. Well, we've come to that portion in the show where I ask you for three takeaways. These would be advice that you would give to a creative who is thinking about going freelance or a freelancer who is looking to grow their business. I know I'm using that dirty word again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, the first thing we were just talking about this, but time management is everything, um, If you understand your job and you understand the scope and you understand your work, you're gonna understand your value. Even if you need an extra 15 hours on top of a scope, you know, if you're just like, well, I just I just need an extra amount of time to make sure that this job gets done correctly, then great. Then more power to you. Then then you're gonna deliver something that's really valuable and what you've actually promised your client. If you're undercutting your time and you're undercutting your money then what's the point? You can't, you can't give them what they need. So if a logo takes you 30 hours, then a logo takes you 30 hours and that's what they're paying for. So hone in on that time. I also, um, I, I I say this a lot to my people and to myself, but, I think there is something about putting away your work. Um, It does, it really is you, but I think putting it aside and taking a step away is just as valuable as working hard. I I can't stress that enough. And it is you. You know, hopefully you have a partner that wants to talk to you about the work you're doing (laughs) and they're interested in it too. I hope. I wish that for everyone. But there is something about putting it away and setting it aside and coming back with fresh eyes. If you can't hire that, That freelancer that will bring fresh eyes, you have to do it yourself. So step away for a moment. Um, And I do think that taking opportunities that will make you more valuable is really important. And I'm not just talking about specific jobs, but I'm talking about expanding what you do within your scope and within what you're going to deliver on that project. So maybe you build in some time for wiggle room, but that's just not, not just for scope creep, but I think it's for innovation. Give people more than what they're expecting and you'll, you'll have work for a long time.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Sarah. This has been very informative and uh, I wish you all the luck with uh, Anchor in Orbit and uh, yeah, you'll have to let us know how it's going.
1: I know. I'm already requesting another interview a year from now. All
0: right. All right. Sounds good.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah,
0: you bet. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton. When he's not podcasting or being a dad, he's the Digital Strategy Director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.